Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to Are Your Hands Full and Coronavirus episode number 12. It is best to check out the previous 11 episodes by logging on to www.handsfullchinuch.com and click on podcasts. Audiobooks and regular books are available through the website as well. You can also contact me through the website or by emailing me at handsfullchinuch at gmail.com. So since the last time I posted a podcast, the news outlets seem to be telling us, not that we didn't expect this, that schools will be closed until the end of the academic school year. Assuming that this information is correct, this puts us all into an entirely different framework. We no longer can think that this is a passing phase. We are beginning to realize that the sooner we understand that this is a new normal and the better we are at making peace with it, the better both we and our children will do under these exceedingly difficult circumstances. We also have come to the realization that adult tantrums such as, I can't do this, or I'm not cut out for teaching, or I need space, or this is impossible, how do they expect us to do this? Somehow, do not just make this whole thing magically go away. This is a time when the most valuable skill that is worth having is the ability to problem solve and figure out what to do to outsmart what seems to be impossible. You can do it, and I am going to do my best to try to help you solve some more problems as they arise. So basically what I'm hearing from people is that they were doing fine until Pesach, for a number of reasons. One, the whole concept was new and believe it or not, exciting. Two, it was before Yontif, so everyone was on semi-vacation mode and the schools didn't send home a lot of work. Three, you were able to do fun activities with the whole family together that were related to Pesach and the Haggadah, which is always fun. Four, And then came Yomtif with its blissful late night and late morning schedule and lack of structure. No one really asked too much of you in the way of actual teaching. And now Yomtif is over. And within two weeks of Yomtif, in addition to everything else you've been doing up to now, you have been hired as a full-time teacher, principal, janitor, kitchen staff, for a bunch of children at once, each with their own schedule, phone numbers, PIN numbers, Zoom IDs, and passwords, who are running on a variety of schedules with a phone shortage and a laptop shortage. And on top of that, along comes Yaris Lovitz and tells you that you're being tested and that you need to do all of this with a smile, because after all, that's the most important part of what your children need from you, yada, yada, yada. So the truth is, I'm not telling you that you have to be in eight different places at once. I was not born yesterday, and I know that that's not possible. But I do know that Noshim Daitan Kalos, the knowledge of women is kal, is light, and that we are capable of juggling quite a lot. No, of course, we won't be able to do everything, but that does not mean that we should do nothing either. After all, if we were to shut down completely and take a day off, and do nothing with nobody for one day, we would not gain a single thing. 
No, it's not worth going there. Let's rather figure out what we can do during these times. So let's sharpen our pencils and our brains and start thinking. How can we get as close as possible to what is expected of us? So let's talk. One, let us first figure out how to manage the staggered schedules of all the children. In order to do that, you either need a computer or a pencil and a large paper. Sit down and create a schedule with all of the timings that your children have been given for classes. Use the format that I gave you in previous podcasts. Head your schedule columns as follows. Leftmost column, time. Then create a column for each child. Enter as many known, inflexible, immovable activities as you can on the chart. For example, if Schleimi needs to call in at 10 a.m., write it in. Rachel at 11.30, write it in. Feige at 10.30, write it in her column, and so on and so forth. Once you have all the school slots entered into the chart, stop for a minute and analyze your chart. Two, work backwards. Ask yourself, what time do I have to have everybody breakfasted, davened, and ready for school? Make sure not to let the morning routine overlap into the school schedule. That will create disaster. That's equivalent to when kids miss the bus. Three, is there one available slot where everyone can have lunch together? There should be, because most schools are separating mornings and afternoons. Is there one hour slot where everyone can do one activity together? If not, no worries. I have a solution for you. Number four, look at the loose, unattached, empty slots that each child has and think. What would Shlamey need to do after conference before lunch for a half an hour? Lego? Great idea. Set up a Lego zone titled Shlamey 11 a.m. Now, for those of you who are thinking, what is she nuts? I cannot do this. I am not so organized. I am not made this way. Know that the Sutton, and only the Sutton, is the one putting such thoughts in your head. You absolutely can and will set up an 11 a.m. Lego zone for Shlamey. Note that you can set up a few zones, an imaginary play zone for younger kids, Playmobile and the like, a homework zone, a trampoline zone if you have one, a coloring zone, a clay zone. Zones do not have to be three miles long and eight miles wide. They can be a tiny corner of a room with a tiny little table or pillow. Use small drawings on your schedule for kids that cannot read so that they will know what zone they should be doing when. Remember, there is nothing kids need more than structure. Five. If you find that individual zones are hard to create or you do not have the space for them, make a central table and call it centers. That's what the teachers do. Each child approaches that table during their loose, unattached times and will find what they need for their activity waiting for them. Example, you can put a Lego project or bucket, two coloring books and a box of crayons or markers, some clay on a child's place already set up for them. Remember, if they know that you know what they should be doing and get that sense of mommy knows what I should be doing and don't get that feeling of mommy has no idea what I should be doing now and I have no idea what I should be doing now. Those children who get that feeling become hyperactive, kvetchy, and begin fighting with each other. Even a choice of a few activities will go a long way as long as they are set up beforehand. Think of this. You'll never see a preschool teacher saying, uh, 
what do you want to do now, honey? Or, let me see, one minute, what should you be doing now? Pick a toy. That simple statement does nothing more than create a sense of insecurity in the child or children. Six, probably the most challenging part of this is when a child does not want to be on the phone or is not able to follow what is going on over the phone during class time. First of all, know that you are not alone in this and this is not your fault. We are obviously dealing with a far from perfect situation and we can do no more than the best we can. If possible, and don't go nutty if this is not possible, spend a few half-hour sessions sitting with your child and listening to the lesson with your child. Your child may need nothing more than learning how to learn over the phone. As I mentioned previously in podcast number 10, letting them not listen at all is not an option because doing phone sessions is equivalent to going to school and this situation is not going to go away tomorrow. And as I mentioned in podcast number 11, children understandably have a difficult time with phone classes because they are such visual learners because they are so, so, so exposed to screen time. Therefore, it is in your child's best interest that you prioritize a few slots worth so your child learns that these phone sessions are here to stay and they also learn how to do it. When I suggested this to some of the parents that I spoke to, their first reaction was that it's not possible. I have other kids. What am I supposed to do? But believe it or not, we worked out what to do with the other children for those few short slots. And they were thrilled to find that the child that they supervised who was having difficulties picked up the concept of phone learning very quickly. Kids are fast. All you need to do is be willing to show them. One last thought. I speak to many people people whose kids are learning over the phone, and people whose children are learning via Zoom. So far, believe it or not, I am not hearing much of a difference in the interest level, the comprehension level, the concentration level, and the like. So for all of you phone people who are thinking that they wish their kids had Zoom learning, I have plenty of parents who are telling me that their kids are all over the place during Zoom lessons and have trouble staying put. So either way, I think it's important to accompany your child through a few sessions until they themselves have mastered the skill. So in the meantime, stay strong, keep your eye on the ball, be in touch with me if you need, and remember, the Earth will continue rotating on its axis. Thanks for listening to my podcast. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchenoch.com or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the earth will continue rotating on its axis.